Well, it's nice to see everyone here tonight. Some of you for the first time in a long time. Cannot tell you how glad that makes a pastor's heart. I would be willing to bet that most of you have a story about something that happened to you out of the blue. Like you were just sitting there minding your own business and bam, something happened to you that was just really surprising. Maybe it was something really good, maybe it was something not so good. We have a favorite story in our family, at least for four of the five of us, it's a favorite story. And uh, it happened when we were still living in Birmingham, and uh, I was not with uh, Amy and the kids, but uh, Amy was driving our young children in their van in a, down a small highway in rural North Alabama. And uh, I had been the chaplain, for, or maybe I was still the chaplain at the diocesan camp that week, and, and they had been there visiting, and they were headed back to Birmingham. And so they were driving blissfully down this small highway, woods on either side of the road, and out of nowhere, a deer bounded in front of the car. Now, as Amy tells the story, it did not just prance out into the road, it like dropped out of the sky from one side, landed mostly on its hind legs, coiled up and sprang up into the air. It happened so fast, Amy was so surprised, and that bouncing blur, it brown blur in her headlights, she yelled out with all seriousness, it's a kangaroo! <laughs> My kids were little at the time. They knew enough to know that there was not probably a wild kangaroo in northern Alabama. Um, and so what immediately started out as this fear and uh, surprise at the unexpected turned into hysterical laughter. And we have never let her live it down. In fact, uh, she took a lot of questions about it at the picnic today. A lot of questions about that. And I'm pretty sure I'm allowed uh, to sleep in the bed tonight. So, well, that's the story that came to mind uh, when I reflected on the scripture this week for Pentecost. Because what must have seemed incredibly startling at first with the sound of the mighty rushing wind and the tongues of fire turned quickly into pure joy. That is <laughs> probably the extent of the connection between those two stories. But started out startling and fearful, turned into pure joy. Now you can just imagine, really, I mean, how startling this would have been, how instantly uh, or initially confusing uh, it would have been for these disciples. They, had, they were all gathered in one place, as they were had probably done many, many times before. Uh, especially in the ten days since Jesus' ascension. Now, at this point, I mean, they've been on this adventure of following Jesus for, for some time now. They have seen a lot of stuff, right? They've seen a lot, but they had never experienced anything quite like the sound of the mighty rushing wind in their home, uh, the tongues of fire resting on each one of them, whatever it is that, that looked like, the sudden ability to speak in foreign languages such that the pilgrims from all over the world could understand them as they spoke about the mighty acts of God. A kangaroo bouncing down the street in Jerusalem would probably have been more likely than what uh, they experienced. 
So many of us know this story, uh, the Pentecost story. We've read about it in our devotions. We've heard about it each year uh, in church. The questions that I usually get about this passage have less to do with what happened and more to do, I mean, more sound like, what exactly is the Holy Spirit? Again, tell me, explain that to me. Jesus, we get, the Son of God, we can, he's a man, we, we are comfortable with that. There's God the Father, we kind of get that too. But for many people, the Holy Spirit is an unknown. We may be confused a little, or even put off by the experiences we've heard other people talk about with uh, sort of ecstatic experiences of the Holy Spirit. and We're just not sure how to envision or picture the Holy Spirit. We're not sure how to recognize the Spirit's work. So I want to take the next 10 or 12 minutes and, and just talk about who the Holy Spirit is. Now, of course, careers have been built on articulating who the Holy Spirit is, but so we're not going to get to quite everything, but we'll talk about it this way. The Holy Spirit is the person of God for us, the presence of God with us, and the power of God around us. So the person of God for us, the presence of God with us, the power of God around us. First, the person of God for us. Now, one of the most important and difficult things to understand about God is that he is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We do not have three different gods. We do not have uh, a God who is sometimes a father and sometimes a son and other times a spirit. He is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Always in three persons. So we often call the Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity. Right? You probably have heard uh, the Holy Spirit called that, but the Spirit is a little misleading because the Spirit's not less important than the Father or the Son, and in fact, not less authoritative than the Father or the Son. They are all co-equal, and they exist to lift each other up in this sort of eternal and perpetual dance. The Holy Spirit is not a what, but a who. Not exactly a he or a she, but definitely not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an angel or some other servant of God. The Holy Spirit is God. So Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit, who he was going to send upon his departure. And he used a word to, to tell us about the Holy Spirit that is rightly translated as helper or as counselor or as comforter. Jesus also said that the role of the Spirit is to convict us of our own sin and bring us to repentance and give us faith in the redeeming work of God the Father through God the Son. So the Spirit is God for us both in both of these senses, both as the divine helper and comforter when we have times of trouble and need, and as the divine convictor and faith giver in times that call for repentance. So the Holy Spirit is the person of God, fully divine, working for our good, but always for the glory of God. I think that's probably the right place to transition to our second point, that the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us. What do I mean by that? 
give me an illustration. A couple of years after I was ordained, I was on Seabrook Island, right next to Kiowa, so it's overrun this weekend, right, if you're watching golf. And, uh, but anyway, it's a barrier island, and, uh, and I was, it was a beautiful day. I was walking down the beach. I think it was on like a sort of retreat or something, but I remember I was, I was praying about an upcoming sermon that I was going to be giving about the Holy Spirit. And for about a half a mile walking down the beach, not 10 feet off the shore, two dolphins just swimming with me. There's a mama and a baby. And maybe you've seen how they do. The baby's right on the fin of the mama. Both of them just, just going just really like a half a mile. And, and I just remember looking at those dolphins and praying about that sermon and saying, Lord, which one is us and which one is the Holy Spirit? In other words, are we always following you or are you always following us? And it doesn't always happen this way, but I just remember very clearly, the, it's like the Spirit of the Lord just pressed upon me, I'm the water. I'm the water. And I was reminded of that verse in Acts chapter 17 where the Apostle Paul says, in him we live and move and have our being. Like he's all around us, he's over us, he's in us and through us, providing life for us. And we're actually unable to leave his presence, not that we would want to. The dolphin doesn't have to think about being in the water. It's just how he lives. But he couldn't live without it. I mean, he's a mammal. Maybe he could live without it. But it sure wouldn't be much of a life. And for all who trust the Son of God, this God the Spirit is more present with, with us than we could ever know. In Him we live and move and have our being. And life without Him isn't much of a life. The Holy Spirit is God, present with us, fulfilling what Jesus said to us, I will be with you always. And in Him, we live and move and have our being. This is why you can say your prayers anywhere you are in the world and you have the full attention of God. This is why we can talk about Jesus living in our hearts. Because that's a statement about the presence of the Holy Spirit. At, 9, at the 9.30 service today, we baptized young Malachi Gillis. And he leaned over the font, and I put the water on his head in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then I took the blessed oil and I made the shape of a cross on his forehead, just like a priest did to you one time or a minister in some way, and, and said, you were, I said, Malachi, I looked him right in the eyes, and I said, Malachi, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. And God the Spirit will be with Malachi always, just like he is for you and for me. The Holy Spirit is the person of God, and the Holy Spirit is the presence of God with us. But the Holy Spirit is also the power of God around us. Now, we believe that God works in the world, and we believe that God works in us. So if we have faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, that is a work of the Holy Spirit. If we make progress in the holiness of our life, that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in us. If God happens to use us for his purposes in someone else's life, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. 
if God bears some great good out of a terrible tragedy, that is the Holy Spirit working all things for the good of those who love the Lord. Because God is always present with us by His Holy Spirit, He is always at work. But then there are some other times where we see things or experience things where we just can't explain it any other way than to say something like, the Holy Spirit just showed up. Now, He was already there, but, but the Holy Spirit showed up in a, in a way that was, seemed powerful. In a sort of surprising, out of the blue kind of way. Like that first Pentecost, when the disciples were given the ability to, uh, by tongues of fire, to proclaim the gospel to people from all over the world. Or like when I prayed for a priest one time who had arthritic hands. He was going to have to retire before he wanted to because he couldn't pick up the elements anymore. He was my friend, so I just grabbed him, had a prayer meeting, so I just grabbed his hands and prayed with him and asked that God would heal him of this uh, so that he could serve God. And I'm not kidding you. He opened his hands for the first time in years. Right there. He's, are you, he just couldn't believe it. And he got several more years of ministry. Uh, not because I did anything special or said anything special, but because the Holy Spirit showed up. I wish I knew how to do it, but I, I would do it a lot more. That's a pretty unique thing, but the Holy Spirit showed up. Or like sometimes after our sermons, Father Trent or I uh, will uh, be preaching and somebody will come up to us afterwards and say, were you speaking directly to me? Like, were you, have you been reading my mail? And, you know, we don't like to read people's mail very often. So um, that what that is is the Holy Spirit just... Uh, graciously using the words that we speak and planting his own truth deep in their hearts. Sometimes as a comforter, sometimes as a convictor. But there's a sacramental nature of this. He just, he just uses what we have to say for his own purposes. The Christian author Tim Keller uh, once wrote that the difference between a bad sermon and a good sermon is the preacher's responsibility. But the difference between a good sermon and a great sermon is the Spirit's responsibility. And sometimes He just shows up. Sometimes the work of the Holy Spirit is so slow and almost imperceptible. In fact, imperceptible. Sometimes the Spirit sort of jumps in front of your car and surprises you. I think it's important to say that the work of the Holy Spirit always is to glorify and exalt and promote faith in God the Father and God the Son. The Spirit is never going to give us some sort of insight that is contrary to God's Word as it is revealed in Scripture. I remember a guy who very sincerely, uh, early in my ministry, very sincerely said, I really believe the Holy Spirit is leading me to leave my wife and go off with my mistress. I was like, buddy, that is not the Holy Spirit. That is something else, but it is not the Holy Spirit. How can you know? Because I just read the Bible. It's not the Holy Spirit. I mean, even when the Spirit is redeeming the ugly and the broken things in our lives and working it for good, it is ultimately for the glory of God. Because the Spirit didn't give the disciples the ability to speak foreign languages as a sort of party trick or to make them famous, but so they would spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
The Spirit did not heal that man's hand so people would look at him, but so that he could help people look to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not a magical force that we can learn to harness, but it is the power of God around us that we can learn to recognize and joyfully submit to. Now there, of course, is so much more that we can talk about in the Holy Spirit. But I hope that at least just knowing that the Holy Spirit is the person of God for us, and the Holy Spirit is the presence of God with us, and the Holy Spirit is the power of God around us, that we will that will allow us to feel a little more comfortable with the Holy Spirit. So that when the Spirit bounds in front of us, we recognize the Spirit and joyfully, truthfully follow the Spirit's lead. Amen.